majuna trimanandasya jina jina salakaya chakshun melitanyin tasma shi gurave namaha vanchakapudubhyas cha kripasindubhiva cha patita nam pamane bhyovaishna vijjuno namaha good evening thank you for coming we will continue with a little discussion on progressive devotional practice in the hope of using it to our best advantage. We're now at the stage in Madhurya Kadambani where the author is actually dealing with the specific stages as outlined in Rupa's verse, Sada Ta Sadhu. Sangotha Bhajana Kriya Sangha Sadhu Sangha can't be overemphasized. The blessing of uh, the sadhus is truly the nourishment that not only infuses bhakti in the heart of the aspirant to spiritual perfection, but the means by which one progresses uh, through the various stages. We need good guidance uh, throughout the whole process. So therefore, in the beginning, uh, that guidance generally comes through the initiator, uh, uh, the Diksha Guru. And as one progresses in their devotional practice, uh, and the road broadens, and their specific inclination uh, manifests the stage of uh, ashakti and, and going forward from that. Other gurus come into the picture, different siksha gurus, uh, in order to help us. Sometimes the diksha guru is the all-in-all guru. Sometimes he isn't. He differently manifested as, as required by the sadhaka. So once the, once the seed has been firmly planted, then uh, the progress is made through the supreme arrangement uh, in transcendence. It's not a, not a fixed thing. Uh, not everyone is fixed. Not everyone is the same. So therefore, the guru manifests uh, according to the inclination of the sadhaka, according to the level of advancement, the qualifications that the sadhaka has uh, acquired as he's gone forward. Sometimes Krishna takes the task up himself. Sometimes the sadhaka is so determined and has enough background that material nature itself can become guru. So it's not a fixed thing. These things are all relayed there in, in, the, in our uh, heritage it's an interesting, interesting uh, progression. We look at somebody like Gopa Kumar and uh, uh, his uh, progress of uh, advancement uh, to uh, Galoka. And we see so many people coming forth to help him along the way. But his primary helper was his Diksha Mantra. Whenever whenever things didn't quite gel with the way he felt in his heart, he always took shelter of that mantra in order to get further guidance. But so many were coming and offering help. But if things weren't exactly right, 
the Diksha Guru's seed. Although the Diksha Guru didn't show up all the time, a couple times he showed up, uh, but that seed of the mantra uh, became his driving force in progressive spiritual life. How progressive? Wow, it's a wonderful story. A wonderful story. I mean, from, from, a, from a simple, simple beginning, here is a sadhika who went through so many planes, both in the material and the spiritual realm. And in going through, he went through all the, I mean, practically all the planes. We don't see that he went down to the hellish planets, but, you know, he, he progressed, uh, you know, all the way up through the heavenly planets, up to the, up to the planets of the great rishis, topmost uh, planets in the material universe. Uh, he became Indra. He became Brahma for a few days. He, he went to Shiva Loka. He went through the material coverings and experienced all of that. And then he then he resided within Vaikuntha, in the abodes where Narayan is worshipped, and uh, still his istadev, his ultimate objective, as as inculcated in the mantra received from his guru, carried him to Vraj Bhakti. So, the guru is manifested in so many ways. And we must be extremely careful from both ends uh, in, in this tradition of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that the significance of the initiator is never diminished. It's kept in proper perspective. To that end, uh, it... it it needs to be mentioned that often after the appearance of, a, of a, an extremely qualified uh, guru, what we refer to as a jagat guru, somebody that has been really empowered to spread Krishna consciousness, uh, bhakti siddhanta, bhakti vedanta, you know, these, these uh, bhakti vinod, powerful, powerful personalities in the disciplic succession, Visvanath Chakravarti, Baladev Vidyabhushan, you know, such, such powerful, powerful personages coming forward, often in the wake of their appearance, there is a, a, an emotional stream that comes forth that, well, it can't, can't get, better than this. This is the pinnacle of the example of guru. We have to be very careful because what we get is you have a situation where that, that personality of the guru and the re insignificance of the relationship with him as a person can become somewhat diminished. It's very important that we understand the proper concept of Guru Parampara and how it progresses. And 
the super duper Mahabhagavat is not required in all instances. What's most significant is, is what the guru is given and seeing him as the transparent by media whereby I can make significant spiritual advancement. So for every disciple, their guru should be seen as their Mahabhagavat. He is the he is that personage which has been who is who has extended himself in our direction. And as we progress, other Shiksa gurus will come forth and assist us in different ways. And they're all, according to Jiva Goswami and uh, even my spiritual master, he, he, he says in a, his purport to one verse in the Chaitanya Charitamrita in the very beginning, he says that we should see equally the position of all these gurus, both the Diksha and the Siksha gurus. That, of course, requires qualification. It's not going to happen in the beginning automatically. But just as in the beginning, the sadhaka is carrying a lot of material conception, and because we're carrying a lot of material conception, we have a hard time seeing Krishna where he's manifesting himself. So in the beginning, we may only see Krishna and the deity. So we come and we offer, here, I must give something to the deity. And maybe we, we have such such a conception that we may not be able to recognize the significance of the sadhu in the beginning. Well, Krishna's come in the deity, let me give some fruit, let me give some, some dakshin, and then I can be blessed, and my life will be perfect, and the sadhu is sitting there, the true blessing is sitting right there, uh, ready to really make, give you something that will make a difference in your heart. But we have, we have such a conception that we're not able to see him or understand his significance. So similarly, in the beginning, the, the sadhika may, may only feel spiritual inspiration from his guru, his Diksha guru. And as, as we progress in spiritual life, we understand, well, yes, this is my main inspiration. This is the torchlight. But that doesn't mean that there are not other people in the parade carrying small lights that can help me this will come naturally and we need to embrace it when it manifests. We need to see that the, the, the association of the sadhus is in of itself nourishment for me. It is spiritual nourishment. Even it tests me, it's nourishment. It is all nourishment. Krishna has made this arrangement. He's put me in this circumstance to... to to forge me so that all the anarthas can fall away. That takes real insight. 
especially when we're at the stage of Anista Bhajana Kriya. So now we're coming up to this stage of seeing the way Vishwanath Chakravarti gives us indications as to the mentalities indicative of our unsteady practice. Different mentalities will will manifest as the Anarthas begin to clear. And he's, he's picked out six distinct patterns that are there at the stage of Anista Bhajana Kriya. Patterns of consciousness in the mind of the sadhaka. How, how, he, how he experiences uh, his devotion, uh, devotional service. Kind of, it's like a psychology. And uh, I wrote some articles on these. I likened his explanations to our having the ability to sit down on the couch of a very a very trustworthy and knowledgeable psychologist. But he's a spiritual psychologist, so there is a difference there. But he he's able to, to we're able to hear what he's talking about and say, Well yeah, that's me. Oh, well, where did that come from? Well, it's there at the stage of anista, of unsteadiness. Well, is it, uh, it's, it's not a psychology that's bore of some misconceived background. It is a true background that's there. The samskaras that are, that are, that are bore of false ego. So he's, he's certain of these are coming forward as we go through unsteady practice and get to the stage of steady bhajan. So when there's unsteady bhajan, the, man, the mind is, is, is doing its thing. But it's doing it in a way that he's been able to, to look at it in the community of Krishna's devotees and bring out and, and see certain characteristics. So he's in his Madhurya Kadambani, he's highlighted these characteristics so that we can see them. We can see them in ourselves and hopefully see them for what they are. It's a symptom of unsteady practice. We should not let it take over. Although sometimes the mind lets such things take over. But with good guidance, and uh, that's exactly what Vishwanath is giving us, this good guidance, uh, uh, we can benefit from, from the recognition. Shraddha leading to a sadhus. Primary sadhu is, is the guru. Uh, the benefit of having the association of the guru cannot, as I said, be underestimated. Having a bona fide guru. Recognizing how significant service to him is in our spiritual advancement is also extremely important. Serving the spiritual master in a way that he is is pleased with us in and of itself is equal to heaps of other bhajana kriya. Wow, that's pretty uh, revolutionary. It is actually 
a spiritual foul, spiritual sound understanding of our philosophy. Uh, let's give a little evidence, a little pramana to back up my revolutionary statement that serving and pleasing the spiritual master is equal to heaps of other devotional practice, chanting, worshiping the deity. It's, it sounds like that's, that would be a, a, a little uh, revolutionary, but it's, it's there so much in the Bhakti Shastras. A couple things come to mind. Having a background in uh, Ishkan, very large spiritual organization from the very beginning, not the very beginning, but I was there kind of around that time. We chanted daily a prayer uh, at Guru Puj. Every day there was a big Guru Puj uh, by Naratam Das Thakur. And one of the lines is, Shri Guru Charane Padne, no, I'm sorry, Shri Guru Charane Rati, Ese Utamagati, Ye Prasade Pure Sarva Asa, Shri Guru Charane Rati, Ese Utamagati, Ye Prasade Pure Sarva Asa. Attachment to the lotus feet of the Guru is the supreme goal for the disciple who attains all kinds of perfection by his guru's mercy. So that's, a, that's also put forth by Jiva Goswami in his Bhakti Sandarbha, a little bit different way, but I wanted to share it with you. This is from Jiva, Bhakti Sandarbha. One can attain all perfection by saranagati, but if one is still desirous of especially relishing the mellow of devotion, then, if able, one should specifically constantly serve the Shiksa Guru, who teaches the Shastras related to the Lord and the Diksha Guru, the giver of the mantras of the Lord. Only by the Guru's mercy can one please the Lord and be freed from anarthas, which are difficult to give up even by all other means. Thus, satisfaction of the Guru is the main cause of attaining divine love and divine service. Wonderful Acharya is giving a, a, a very, very pointed verification of how important this Guru Seva is, this Guru Nishta, this service and, and worship and satisfaction of the Guru or Gurum, the Gurus. As I said, as we advance, there is so many helping and our appreciation of them is unbounding. That unbounding appreciation and service in and of itself is sufficient to give us all spiritual success. Sadhu Sangha and Bhajana Kriya. The next stage is Bhajana Kriya. This is Vishwanath's verse. 
for the practice of different devotional items, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smarnam Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atma, Divedanam, ninefold process. Uh, our specific, our specific uh, emphasis, uh, as emphasized by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is Harinam Sankirtan. All these nine, this whole ninefold process becomes glorified in Sri Chaitanya's Sankirtan movement by the holy name. Two kinds of bhajana kriya, two kinds of practice during the stage of progressive devotional service. Anista. Unsteady Anista, steady. Anista Bhajana Kriya gradually appears in six stages. Utsahanmai, Gana Tarala, Vyuda Vikalpa, Visaya Sangara, Niya Maksama, and Taranga Ragini. These stages accordingly mark the devotees with their respective symptoms. So, Vishwanath is so kind that he is going to explain these stages to us, just as if we were lying on his couch. And he was saying, well, the reason you're feeling like this, this is a stage, and this is the symptom of that stage, and I can recognize this, and you should recognize it also. And if you can recognize it, it's a lot easier to get over it. Uh, I'm sure Bhakti Ross could give us a class with a lot more psychological babble to explain how in modern scientific... Well, she's educated it, and that's not a, I'm not d- diminishing its importance within the field of... Uh, psychology, uh, she has a lot more knowledge of uh, what is a Freudian slip and what is, uh, you know, all these different psychologies uh, that are there and that truly are just like any other disease, but they're a disease of the mind and they hamper people. Sometimes they completely debilitate people. Sometimes I walk around in human society and think everybody is is mentally debilitated. <laughs> but me, I'm okay. <laughs> but uh, whether debilitated or not, uh, we certainly like our drugs. So, at least everyone's well drugged, most for the most part. Whether they, whether they need them or not, unfortunately. Some need them and unfortunately many don't. But Let's look at these stages. Let's go over them. Uh, and if you'd like, uh, I will go over as best I can remembering what I wrote or you can go to uh, the Harmonist and look up, look up the articles. Uh, I believe there were four that... We went over the six stages. 
and tried to put them in modern terms um, because some some of the examples used uh, uh, by Vishwanath are coming from a different culture 500 years ago uh, you know small villages and uh, you know modern modern uh, modern uh, the fast-paced modern materialistic life had yet to truly saturate uh, Indian culture at the time of his writing. So I tried to put a little bit spin on it according to our time and place. I tried to also, according to our our the spiritual organization that has become the Western face of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, then we are participating in that Western face. So it's not the same as what was there in India 500 years ago. It has different characteristics, and the practitioners in this setting have a different, you know, are differently situated, uh, uh, different circumstance. But their hang-ups are there in both, aren't they? It doesn't matter. It's not that the people that were 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 coming forward to to take up uh, devotional service, and specifically an aspiration for Vraj Bhakti, uh, didn't have the same uh, mental situations to work through. They just, I would think, manifested a little differently according to the environment. So, the first one. Utsahamai. Pretty, pretty easy to understand what it is. Uh, maybe not as easy to see it in ourselves. Uh, it's hard for us to see any of these in ourselves sometimes. That's why we do need to go to the couch of the psychologist to get some help. Um, but the first one, I think, is probably the easiest of all of them, maybe. Uh, initial enthusiasm. And you can see it not only in spiritual practice, uh, you, and not only in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, and you can see it in other spiritual practice, and you can see it uh, in actually uh, material endeavor also. Uh, and what it refers to is that initial enthusiastic approach that leads to a sense of um, over-accomplishment just by taking on the task. What do I mean by that? Well, somebody walks in the door, reads a little Bhagavad Gita, hears a few lectures from the sadhus. Uh, he... Uh, he separates himself from his material circumstances by joining a movement, spiritual movement, uh, and he makes that effort. 
And he hears from the sadhus, well, you should do this and that. And he does it. He gives up eating meat. He gives up illicit sex. He doesn't take any more drugs. And within a period of two or six or eight months, maybe a year, he's on top of the spiritual world. He's learned a few verses. He's gone to a few classes. He hasn't had a joint in six months. He's feeling pretty good about himself. Utsahamai, that initial enthusiasm that leads to a false sense of superiority sometimes and a false sense of spiritual accomplishment. So not only does he wear his badge of honor uh, as he wraps his dhoti around himself every day, uh, made it, or sorry, I, I'm here, uh, but uh, he wants everybody to know that everybody else to know he's arrived. And, uh, you know, now I'm here. You can hear from me now. I can give the classes. I can quote some verses. I can wave some incense and offerings in front of the deity. I was even asked to give a fire sacrifice. I sat there and chanted mantras out of a book. Everybody was like, wow. So we get a little overconfident in the beginning. We think we've arrived, we've made it, we've done it all, we really have it down. But in, in, in relaying this sentiment, I, I kind of, it's kind of like that story that Guru Maharaj talks of the student that went to Benares. Maybe somebody knows that. He went, this came back to his father. His father said, well, what did you learn? Oh, I learned so much. I saw so many sadhus. What did they teach you? Srimad Bhagavatam? No, what's that? Well, you need to go back. He went back, and, uh, you know, these, these sadhus, uh, he went and specifically got instruction on Srimad Bhagavatam, only to return and tell his father. His father said, so you know Bhagavatam, you've read Bhagavatam, you've been schooled in the Bhagavatam. Yes, I understand the Bhagavatam. Uh-oh. Uh, you need to go back again and study the Bhagavatam. So he came back, and upon returning, his father again inquired, well, have you studied the Bhagavatam? He said, yes, I've studied the Bhagavatam, and now I understand I'll never understand the Bhagavatam. Never fully comprehend everything that's there. Oh, now you're making some progress. So that stage where you come back and say, I've read the Bhagavatam, I know it, it's, it's here, now I have it. That's Utsahamaya. That initial enthusiastic uh, catching the wave of spiritual life in our in and in our life and uh, and and feeling uh, you know feeling pretty proud of ourselves and sometimes a lot of false ego coming out at that stage a little cleansing this is the stage of an anista bhajana kriya unsteady devotional practice. But it's also the stage of what? Anartha Nivriti. So we're performing our bhajan throughout 
the guru, the sadhu has said, we need bhajan. Now that bhajan is going to stay with us. So we're going to continue to engage in bhajan. But some of it's going to be steady and unsteady. But during the unsteady practice, the anarthas are being cleansed away. So the ego is really surfacing in this first one. Really surfacing. Uh, The uh, mastery of the universe ego. Uh, Here I am. I'm the king of all I survey. Everyone should simply come and worship at my feet. I know everything. So Utsahamai, new new devotee, just coming, being blessed by the sadhu, in a very short time thinks that he's 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 made it. He's there. The other devotees are extremely tolerant. Oh, how nice. Yes, maybe you can give class tonight. That would be nice. And third, because it is a good thing also to be enthused about devotional practice. Uh, so let him ride that rave of enthusiasm. He's going to find out soon enough. <laughs> There's more to it than that. So, you know, they may even encourage, oh, how nice, you look so nice, you dress so nice, you speak so nice, you worship so nice, you cook, you serve the guru so nicely. Yes, this is great. And, uh, you know, so ride that wave. But they know I've been there and it lasted a while. It's great while it lasted. But then all of a sudden we come to the next stage. The next stage, Ganatarala. Sometimes it's running hot and sometimes it's running cold. Sometimes I'm reading... And I'm being enthused. I'm tasting the nectar. Sometimes I'm chanting and I'm tasting the holy name. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm attentive in class. And I, I really am I'm relating to what the speaker is saying. It's having an effect. And sometimes it doesn't matter how much I struggle. I can't hear one mantra. And it's been a few days and I don't think one round has really penetrated in. And I go to the classes and they're just they're, it's coming in one ear and going out the other. And I'm worshiping the deity, but am I seeing the deity? My mind is a hundred miles away. And then another few days pass and oh, I'm back. It's tasting good again. I'm hearing again. I'm tasting the holy name. I'm relishing everything. Love all the people I'm with. The next week, get me out of here. I can't take this place. I got it. I need a break. And then, so this running hot and running cold. This is the second stage that Vishwanath brings out to our attention in his book. See it for what it is. Yeah, sometimes hot, sometimes cold. Sometimes it's all going fine and sometimes it isn't. This is the stage of Anista Bhajana Kriya. It's unsteady. It's a stage. It's recognized. The sages know about it. It's not a major impediment 
It's not like an operad. It's a manifestation of the anarthas, which are bore of our contact with material nature. So, it's going to come. You're going to run hot, you're going to run cold. After the stage of initial enthusiasm, then a little heat, a little cold. A little understanding, a little I can't understand. Sometimes what I read makes sense and enthuses me, and sometimes I'm like, who wrote this? <laughs> I can't understand what's what are they try what are they trying to say? I read it again and again. So recognize stage. All these are recognized. And uh, I think what's important uh, is we don't let them get the better of us. Uh, we take shelter of, of the older devotees, the more experienced devotees. If we're really having a hard time, we, we make, make some change. And therefore, we come to the next stage. Uh, the next stage technically is called Vyudavikalpa. Vyudavikalpa. Sankalpa, intent. We have an intent. We do want to progress in spiritual life. But we get confused as to how to do it. And the mind begins its ceaseless, unending barrage of Playing the alternatives. If I got rid of my wife and kids, I could be a devotee real soon. I could go right into Bajan. <laughs> Maybe I should move to India. I know I married her and I had a couple kids, but isn't spiritual life more important? All the scriptures say I should give up association of women. It's like a dark hole. <laughs> Falling into a, a, a blind well. Oh, but the scriptures also say that in order to really advance in spiritual life, you have to be completely disgusted with material life. So, I hear in the Bhagavatam, uh, we look at uh, Bharat Maharaj, and he renounced early, he ran off to the woods, but it didn't work because later he became affectionate to a deer. He gave up affection for his young wife and children and his kingdom ran off to pursue spiritual life in the forest and it didn't work. He wasn't burned out materially yet. So, affections came up, the wrong kind of affection, and he became a deer. <coughs> so maybe I should stay where I am. In fact, maybe I should take another wife and that way I can really burn myself out. You know what they say, two wives are better than one. So, <laughs> this stage, this third stage that Vishwanath brings out, the mind is constantly saying, if I make this adjustment, then I'll be Krishna conscious. No, if I make this adjustment, then I'll be Krishna conscious. No, really, it's this adjustment. Maybe I could 
amalgamate both those adjustments into a super adjustment. I will go and be a temple president and have my wife with me, with my kids. So I'll be super Christian conscious, give classes, lead all the devotees, do management, and I, I'll still do my bhajan because I'm a leader, and I'll have my wife. The mind just, it, it, this vikalpa, just accepting and rejecting. So we bring that tendency from our material lives unlimited material lives, of accepting and rejecting, we bring it into our devotional practice. And that's the third, third stage that Vishwanath brings out. Vyudavikalpa. Three's a good amount. There are three more. Any questions? Yes, ma'am. Well, how are you supposed to know like, how much We have to approach our spiritual practice in a very, very intelligent way. The first thing I'd say is a little patience and determination to fully test and make sure that it is a an impediment that is substantial enough to require a possible change. And then we take good guidance from senior devotees and, and uh, the spiritual master. Yes, it's a fact. Uh, we are in, uh, we're in a pickle. We're in Kali Yuga. It's full of uh, stumbling blocks. And we, we've, we carry a lot of uh, samskaras with us into our devotional practice. It's, it's hard to, uh, to, be, to be totally detached when we're coming from lifetimes of nothing but attachment. So detachment is difficult. Taking it on the chin all the time, turning the other cheek is difficult sometimes. Maya's slapping and we're like, enough's enough. I can't take it anymore. So we have to use our intelligence. We have to, we have to, uh, we do as much as we can according to our circumstance and, uh, when the unsettled mind becomes disturbed to the point of truly interfering with nourished spiritual practice, then and that's that is an enduring an enduring thing. It's re, it's coming again and again and again, so that I'm losing all taste. There, not only is there no nourishment, I'm losing all taste. Then we really need to take shelter of senior devotees and and uh, the guru and and figure out is a change necessary? How can I resolve this? We have to remain enthused. Uh, it has to be a true enthused. It has to be enthused that's uh, that's truly nourishing. Krishna says. In Bhagavad Gita, one verse, he says, uh, this practice is, is uh, everlasting and it is joyfully performed. Now, there is some parts in the very beginning where there's not a lot of joy because 
we can't taste the sweetness of it due to our disease condition. It's not that we have to take sugar to the... If we continue to take the sugar and it still tastes bad, then we need to go to the doctor and see if he, he might prescribe some other medicine for us. Is that good enough? Yes, sir. Could you say something about the fluidity of these stages? Well, can you? Hmm, no. Do they come and go? Uh, no, I, I... Are they like a bunch of... What's that little thing? Uh, whack-a-mole? N no, I just remember hearing different things about how you know sometimes you're more this way and then you start progressing and then you're going this way. What stage are we talking about? Anista. It's, it's anista means unsteadiness. So unsteadiness, yes, yeah, some of them, they may pop up their ugly head and you may think, okay, I've got past this, you know, and you find out there it is again. Here I am feeling better and everybody around me and this is this is this is symptom this is a symptom of utsahamai but here i am you know or you're thinking or you make a change you go to a new temple you go to a new sangha and all of a sudden you're the king of the hill you know oh look there he is and everybody's oh it's so nice and then 6 months later it's like uh, no one's appreciating you anymore it's like oh, man, no one likes me here so it, these are all stages of, of unsteady practice and we need to see them for what they are and, and see the mentalities and beg for the mercy of the sadhus that we can get to the stage of steady practice. I mean, really, I want to be steady. I want to love Krishna unconditionally and I do not want to, to, uh, to continually fight with these mentalities and fight with maya. I want to come to the stage of some steady service where I can do something significant to please my spiritual master. And sometimes he's pleased with, when I say significant, I don't mean significant in a material way. I mean significant in a heart way. The guru sometimes, as we, we relate, as you even brought up the story of the, the, the Brahmin who couldn't read, but his heart was in the right place, and because his heart was in the right place, it melted and gave him those symptoms of advanced devotional practice. Yeah, but I think, yeah, that's kind of a, it's a little bit of a whack-a-mole thing uh, in the beginning. Uh, recognize it, knock it down if you can. Uh, if it comes up and it's got your consciousness, uh, just don't let it get the better of you. And uh, if it gets the better of you, then, uh, you know, take shelter, do some specific service for, for the, the guru and, and uh, your gurus. Uh, render something in such a way that maybe they'll look favorably and help you through it. We're, we're, we're here simply begging for mercy. There's nothing. We can struggle with all this, but uh, as, we, as we open this class... This point of satisfying the guru is worth so much in our spiritual advancement. It overrides everything. That's a, that's a revolutionary thing. When we look at bhakti and the way bhakti works in the sadhika's life, it's a revolution in, of spiritual. It's, 
Everybody, as I said, equates spirituality with measures it with the ruler of uh, with the ruler of morality or the ruler of how many you know rocks you can carry. But really, the person carrying the the ant carrying the the pebble is just as important as uh, Hanuman. How's that? That's amazing. It is an affair of the heart. It's an affair of true sincerity. It's an affair of getting mercy, figuring out how to get that mercy, not settling for not getting the mercy. I have to get the mercy of my guru. This way I can be successful. Without that mercy, all the other stuff really adds up to nothing. Does that answer your question? Anything else? Thank you for your association. Hare Krishna.